Good morning. My name's David. I'm the Families Minister here at St. John's, and we're going to go back to that uh, uh, second reading that we had from Romans chapter uh, 6 and verses 15 to 23. Um, there's a sheet here with lots of space for taking notes. No points, but don't worry, the sermon will not be pointless, he says, especially after we pray. And uh, we are going to just look at one verse as I start from that section, verse 19 in chapter 6, to get the big idea of uh, what we should be thinking about as we go through this morning and at the end. There is a challenge here this morning to Christians and those who have not yet started the Christian life to today to start with God afresh by offering yourselves to Him in service or as willing servants, or if we go with the language of Romans, as willing slaves. Can you see how blunt that is in verse 19? Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Or as I hope we'll see as we go through, as slaves to God. So the challenge at the start, and we'll return to it as we go through and at the end, is to take a definite step in a fresh direction with God this morning. In a moment, we're going to pray and ask God for help to do that. That's what his word would work in us. But we need to know that this step to serve God because of the freedom he's given the Christian is not just for today, but it will be a step that we'll need to be ready to take this afternoon, tomorrow morning, and the next day, because it's a moment-by-moment -moment thing and challenge. Um, in the game of poker, and, and I know this only from watching films, there is usually a moment in the game, and most recently from watching James Bond in Casino Royale, where one of the players will make a decision to do what? To go all in and push everything in on the table. There's usually a moment where players will decide whether to fold them and say, I'm out, or whether to go all in. You can picture James Bond saying, all in, if you've seen the film, or yourself, if you can imagine yourself at the table saying, all in. This is that moment this morning. That is what this passage is wanting us to do, what Paul is wanting his readers to do, to say, I'm all in serving God. So that at the end of our time and sermon, um, we will be able to, to say to the Lord, here we are. All that we are and all that we have and all that we will be, we offer and present to you today. Take us as your willing slaves Let's pray.
Let's pray. Father, we need your help to be changed, to understand what you have done for us in Christ so that we will be those who will give ourselves, offer ourselves again and again as your willing slaves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have seen um, most recently in chapter 6, just last week, that their chapter 6 started with an objection because Paul has, talking about, has been talking about how Christians are saved by grace, utterly by God's kindness. And so at the start uh, last week, and it's a very excellent sermon that you can hear online and catch up with, Paul um, imagines the objection, well, if we're saved by grace, wouldn't it be better to keep on sinning because we're saved by grace, and that will magnify God's grace. We'll have more grace. And Paul says in the first half of chapter 6, no. That's to misunderstand salvation. It's about a transfer from Adam to Christ. Those who are joined with Jesus, died with him, and are alive with him. And so don't go back to your old life. Christians are set free from sin. They don't have to keep sinning. We are to use that freedom instead, not to live as we please, but to live to please God. And that's verses 15 to 23. It starts in verse 15 with a similar objection. If there's no longer law, and we're not living under law, because that's what you're telling us, Paul, if we're saved by grace, well, why does it matter if I keep on sinning? So someone might say, it doesn't matter if I sin because God will forgive me anyway. And Paul's going to tell us why we can't think like that and why we can't do that. Our first heading comes from verse 16. And it's this, you are slaves to the master you obey. It's right there in verse 16, you are slaves to the master you obey. Verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul writing to these Roman Christians, the Roman church starts with an illustration that they would have understood from the slave market. And I think we can grasp this and understand this too. He very quickly moves to imply that we're all slaves to something or someone. Verse 16, uh, middle bit, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. He very bluntly says there are only two options in life for any person. Slaves to sin or slaves to obedience. And by that he means obedience to God. You see, if we say, I want to have my freedom to do what I want to do, and let's be honest, that is just part of being human, Christian or not, 
to feel that impulse in busy, hectic lives, in hard lives, in challenging times. To say, I want to have my freedom, I want to do. Well, Paul wants us to see in this opening verse, verse 16, that is actually the same as saying, I want to be in charge. I want my freedom is saying, I want to be in charge, which in Romans equates to rebellion against God. That's what he's been showing us in the opening chapters. Rebellion against God, which equals sin. So what sounds like freedom, not being a Christian, is actually being a slave to sin, is what Paul puts very bluntly here. And I had the other reading so that we had the words of Jesus in our ears as well, where he says the same thing. People are slaves to sin. That is his diagnosis of the human condition. That people without him are living under the power and influence of sin. This is what explains the sad stories in our newspaper headlines day by day on our BBC news feed. What dominates in terms of bad news is explained by this condition. That people are living today under the power of sin. But it's not just out there. It's closer to home as well. Because this explains all the sad stories in our lives in yours and in mine. Paul starts here because he wants us to realize that we cannot avoid some kind of slavery. In World War II, Switzerland, the land of chocolate and cheese and other things beginning with C like clocks and um, trains that run on time, they doesn't begin with C, but you get the picture, was famously, Switzerland, back to the point, famously, Switzerland was famously neutral during World War II. Paul wants us to know in this opening verse, verse 16, that there's no spiritual equivalent of Switzerland. We, he says, need to understand that there are only two options slaves to sin or slaves to God. And he wants to show us that these have serious consequences. You see what he said in the rest of verse 16? Slaves to sin, which leads to death, by which he means eternal death, or, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness, the life that God wants in his people. So going back to our introduction, the person, the Christian who says, uh, I've been set free from Jesus, but I want to live life the way I choose, that person must recognize that what they've been given by Christ doesn't mean they are now free to go on sinning. For the person that, that continues to give in to the voice of temptation, sinning continually, not caring, 
not repenting. Well, what would we say their life is showing? But, but just what is described in these verses, you are slaves to the master you obey. So this is something of a litmus test in life. You're slaves of the one you obey. So the choice is not for Christians this morning, should I give up my freedom and serve God? It's, am I going to live as a slave to sin or to God? Freedom of a Christian is not to do what one wants, but a freedom to obey God. We're going to move on. We're going to move on to verses 17 and 18. And here's our second heading, set free. Christians have been set free to be a slave of God. Christians have been set free to be a slave of God, verses 17 to 18. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. There's a bit of a a paradox. It sounds like a contradiction in the heading. Christians have been set free to be a slave of God. You see, when someone trusts Jesus, they are set free from one master. We saw that last week, sin. To become slaves to another master, God. There's a transfer happening between masters. So imagine from the sports world, a a player who decides to move to a new team, when she makes that move, that transfer, she has a new team, a new boss, and a new allegiance. And verse 17 is helping us to see how that happens for anyone who becomes a Christian. Because in verse 17, he's describing what happens what happened when the Romans started following Jesus. It was the start of their life when they heard the good news about Jesus and decided to bow the knee to him as Lord. You have come to obey, verse 17. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching. That's just talking about the gospel that they grasped and understood. The gospel that we've been hearing Paul explaining. That sinners are saved, how? Not through what they do, but by what God has done. That's why this verse starts, thanks be to God. And we've heard about salvation is justification by grace. Through the one act of obedience, whose obedience? Jesus, his obedience. So verse 17 goes on, how this teaching that is now claimed your allegiance. So now Christians are people who live under the authority of the gospel, who live under 
the truth of this teaching. One writer puts it this way. He says, we hear what Christ says about us and we receive it with a whole heart as being true. Isn't that wonderful? That the declaration is there for us to come back to. We hear what Christ says about us and we receive it day by day, moment by moment, with our whole heart as being true. Something has changed. This is how we start by grace, and this is how we continue in the Christian life. We need to just pause and feel this for ourselves if we are trusting Jesus this morning. And go back to verse 15 and with Paul say those words. Thanks be to God. To drink this in, that though you used to be slaves to sin, verse 18, you have been set free from sin. And so now the Christian who's been saved by grace continues to live under grace. What does that mean in reality? It means that we are forgiven sinners. We are not yet perfect. But as this verse suggests, there's going to be a process of growth. Sometimes it may come quickly. There may be changes in some aspects of our character, but otherwise it may be a process through our lifetime. But here we need to grasp the point that a transfer has happened. The Christian is now under a new master. Can we now just live as we please? Should we go back to just sinning all the time? No. To go back to the football illustration, that player on the new team, what would we think if she just started passing suddenly to her old teammates in the middle of a derby? And she starts setting up goals for the opposition. That would be wrong. We'd be saying, what are you doing? And so too with the Christian. We are under an obligation to obey our new master. Not free to do as we like. The paradox of the Christian life, Jesus said, if you will come after me, you have to do what? Take up your cross. We enter into a new life with him, not just as savior, but as our Lord to live with. It's all of grace. And so the implication of that comes in verse 19. And our third point is this. Christians, obey your new master. Verse 19, we saw it at the start. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Christians, obey your new master. Here Paul renews his appeal, but it is an appeal, a call, 
that is made on the basis of grace, understanding what God has done. That's how grace is to work. When there are appeals and commands in the Bible, they mustn't become disconnected from what God has done. And verses 17 to 18 tell us what God has done. And if we are those who are understanding God's grace, understanding the effect of his grace, then this is how we will live. Verse 19. This is what is right for the new player on God's team, to give their all for him. In verse 19, Paul contrasts the two masters that people can have. One is impurity, one is righteousness, which again is shorthand for God, the God of righteousness. One master is cruel, one master is gracious. And there's two paths. Did you notice how they were described? One path is a downward spiral. Verse 19, slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. The other path is righteousness leading to holiness. Now, depending where we are in our lives, we may know more or less of the truth of these verses. We may be able to look back to a time where we could see more clearly what is described here in terms of the downward spiral. Where we can look back now and see with clearer eyes how destructive sin is in a person's life. This downward spiral of ever-increasing wickedness, a time where we felt it and knew how it always has consequences, sin, causing hurt to others as well as hurt to ourselves. That is one path. The other path is to righteousness leading to holiness. And rather than this downward spiral, it's like the upward bit on the Nike tick, which is just a tick. So the upward bit, where our trajectory now as one of God's children is to grow in godliness, to grow more like our master. My brother, a few years ago, they, uh, they bought a house which was, a, it had to be totally gutted. And the chap that had been in there beforehand, I think from the 70s or further back, and why then did we decorate everything brown? So it was literally the house of brown. On the walls, the shag pile carpets, it just, maybe there was some orange as well. But that wasn't going to stay once they became the new owners. Everything was going to be changed to be the way that they wanted. And so things were being pulled out, right, left, and center. Walls were being changed. 
it, it was a deep dive of work into everything because they were now the new owners. And that is a picture of what is going to happen to everyone who starts to follow Jesus. That is a picture of what will be continuing to happen by grace through the Christian's life. Because the new master wants us on a path where, these verses tell us, to righteousness, living that pleases God, to holiness, a change in character. Not that we will see perfection today or before Jesus returns, but that we will grow to be like our master. One last thing in these verses, there's also a comparison in these verses between how we used to give ourselves. Verse 19, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity, skip down a bit, so now offer yourselves as slaves to God. I think this week, this has continually challenged me again and again. The comparison of how I used to offer myself and still do to idols in my life with energy and with enthusiasm. That energy and enthusiasm, wouldn't it be great if it was channeled into serving God with our all? We've got one more heading. Free gift, the free gift of eternal life for slaves of God. This is verses 20 to 23. We're going to sprint through these verses. In these verses, we're told about the free gift of eternal life for slaves of God. Again, here in 20 to 23, there is a contrast between the slaveries. Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's focus here is on the fruit of one slavery, which he describes in these words, in his words here, as reaping what we reap, verse 21 and 22. And then he moves on and finishes with the wages of these slaveries. And we're going to see that they have very different and serious results. So follow through verse 20 with me. First of all, we see him talking about slavery to sin. What did they have freedom from? They had freedom from righteousness. It had no control or power in their life. What was the fruit? It was the present experience of shame. And what was the final and future destiny? Verse 21, death, by which he means eternal separation from God, or in a word, 
hell. Serious consequences. But then he talks about the other kind of slavery. Verse 22, slavery to God. Verse 22 again, freedom from sin. What is the present experience? Verse 22, holiness. And what is the future destiny? Verse 22, eternal life. Life that begins with Jesus, following Jesus, begins with God now and continues forever. And so verse 23 is Paul's summary for this section and and suitable for the whole chapter. And do you spot the difference? In verse 23, one master pays wages. In other words, what is deserved? The other presents a gift. What's not deserved? So here, slavery to God is shown to be more like freedom, a good and great thing. It's fitting to end on grace. You could probably say that of every sermon because grace will always be the best motivation in the Christian life. Paul is saying, don't go back to sin, your old boss but rather offer yourselves to your new master. So let's come back to our thought at the start. The challenge to offer ourselves. Just in quietness now, to think about how we can offer all of ourselves, knowing that we will start this today, but come back to it tomorrow. Knowing that what we're doing is because of His grace. That this could be a first time for someone this morning, but it shouldn't be the last time that we offer ourselves to God. This isn't a game of poker. If we go all in with God, these verses are telling us this is not a gamble. This is not a poor option. This is the only option that leads to eternal life. So let's take a moment just to consider things that have been filling our minds and our hearts this week, our time, how we can use it, our plans, the big things lying ahead, our gifts and abilities, maybe even the circumstances that are looming large, maybe even the hard things, the trials and the sufferings And in a prayer in a moment, to be offering ourselves in these things and asking for his help, that through these things, we would be those who serve God willingly today.
a moment to pause and reflect, and then I'll close with a short prayer. Lord, here we are, all that we are and all that we have and all that we will be, we offer and present to you today. Take us as your willing slaves. In Christ Jesus, our Lord.